From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, you are listening to Art Waves, a mini-series about art, local artists, and spaces open to art in Mendocino County. I'm Victor Palomino, and from the past couple of months, I have explored a part of Mendocino's art sector with Marty Dorling. We had conversation with artists, organizations, and different kinds of creators. In this episode, episode 6, we will hear a conversation with mosaic artist Elizabeth Raby, followed by a conversation in Spanish with visual artist Marta Alonso Canillar, and we'll end today's program with Marty's interview with the Mendocino Theatre Company. You are listening to Art Waves, and this is part one of today's show. I am Elizabeth Raby. I am a mosaic artist, and I also sing with the Raging Grannies and play the ukulele with the uke tones and have all kinds of fun stuff. Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me in your studio. It's, we just did like a, a little tour and it's amazing. And this place, this uh, old barn is beautiful and it's like a, a dream space for any artist. <laughs> Thank is. you for having me. It really is. I want to know uh, a little bit about you, like who you are and, and what brought you here to Ukiah. Well, I went to Kansas City Art Institute as a painter and printmaker came for a very short visit to San Francisco, but that turned into the, being here in California for the rest of my life. In 1995, I left the warehouse where I'd lived in San Francisco for 15 years with, you know, 70 some other artists and moved up to a farm in Potter Valley where I lived for 20 years, a little over. And then it was just time to move into town so I could be four minutes away from my grandsons instead of 45. So I'm here and been very active in the community, in the arts community, since moving here, really. When do you started to work with mosaics? Like, how was, how did you find that medium? Very shortly after I moved to San Francisco, a friend who had been in the ceramics department at the Art Institute in Kansas City, he was helping this organization where he worked pull together SCRAP, the Scrounger's Center for Reusable Art Parts, and I just went and helped out. And at that time, you know, there'd been a big wave of mosaics in, you know, in like the 40s and 50s, and then nobody was doing them. So one of the things that scrap was just, you know, for, so artists and art teachers could come and find things to, to use for materials. And so there was a lot of tile there. And I thought, wow, I am living in a house in the hate there with about the ugliest bathroom I've ever seen. <laughs> so I thought I would... Uh, purdy it up. And I, I, I did a mosaic there that I thought would, you know, I thought I'd work on it for a couple of weeks. It took about a year. And since I was you know, only 23 years old, I could climb under the toilet and under the sink without uh, having to even remove anything. <laughs> and so I did all the walls and mosaics. And then some friends, I had two or three friends who saw it and went, oh, can you do my bathroom? Oh, can you do my kitchen? Hey, can you come do? So I, I pretty much switched to doing mosaics. I mean, I still take my watercolors with me when I travel, and I and I do love to do painting and stuff. But but I yeah, it's I've switched pretty much from being a painter printmaker to being a mosaic artist quite a while ago now. Through all that time, I made all of my mosaics just breaking tiles. Mm-hmm. You know, I also gave my first lessons, uh, mosaic lessons at Heath Ceramics in Sausalito because 
You know, I could break their tiles up all, all the time, all kinds of stuff. But after a while, I thought, you know, I better replenish the supply. I've broken enough. And so I started taking some ceramics classes, which I hadn't done since high school. And so now, since then, a lot of my mosaics, not all of them, but a lot of my mosaics include some of the major pieces like faces or fish or octopus or something. You know, I'll, I'll do in ceramic tile and then include those. When do you start to make it into like murals or make it into like a piece on their own? Well, the first person, a friend in in Marin County, Ellie Simmons, who's a wonderful artist, um, she was the first one who said, yeah, come do my bathroom, you know, and I did a picture of her as a mermaid and I did her little daughter and, you know, and then she, but she does a lot of public art. So she, the next, so we did San Geronimo Valley Cultural Center in Marin where she designed, you know, the four walls for the kitchen one for each season, and I did them as mosaics, but that was when I just started making tiles. So I threw in a few little, you know, deer and, and things. And, you know, and she was fine with me, you know, renovating some of it into making it more of a collaboration rather than just, well, I mean, even when I transferred her watercolors into, into mosaics, it was a collaboration. But so that's, you know, when I started doing, and then, and then we did a housing project in the East Bay again, where she just gave me some watercolors and I made them into these mosaics. <laughs> so, so then, um, but, but since, you know, like I've been a painter all my life, yeah. I pretty quickly started in addition to just, you know, to doing ones in other people's bathrooms, you know, in kitchens, etc. I um, also just started making, I had my man and woman eating fish prints and I made big mosaics out of them instead. And all right, in addition, I should say. So yeah, so I started that right away because you know that's that's what i do <laughs> it was an easy transition <laughs> yes yes it really was so what's your process now do you just just start with a sketch of what you want to do on paper and then you transfer that into like the tiles you want to make or how, how is your process usually i do a sketch of it first especially if it's going to be you know for a public piece you know just really see what's happening but but some i mean somebody a friend brought me a bunch of big broken mirrors and things recently. And so I just glued them in different pieces, you know, just, just put them on some pieces of wood. Yeah. And I have two of those that since then I just, you know, oh, what do I have here? You know, and just started, made one with just a bunch of fish and then threw in some shells and things. And then one with a, I already had this mermaid and made her flying out of the water up towards the sky and uh, put a little octopus down below that I had a tile of. So, so I didn't like specifically make those for that. I just, a lot of times when I'm, you know, I'm making specific tiles for a, a project and then I have like one, one shelf in the kiln covered with those tiles. I don't want to fire the whole thing with just one shelf. So I'll make a bunch of letters of different sizes. When do you start it? Like add in letters and, 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 and writing to your pieces? Um, or almost always put my name on it, so I've given a few little letters for that. <laughs> but there's, you know, a lot of stories to tell, and some of it you can obviously tell visually, but if it's only visually, then people have their own ways of interpreting it, which is fine and great and good. But sometimes there's more of a story that can be told, sticking some words in there too, like some of the, you know, the ones with the, the kind of poetry in it. Because yeah. I have, as you saw, Armand Brent, I've, I've done several uh, mosaics that have his poems in it because he's such a fabulous poet so so having the letters you know when I did the the ones in the plaza just you know it says the farmer's market and included a a phrase that feed the hungry every week it's just it's just nice to have it and, and a lot of times when I have students because I do these you know grout camps which mm -hmm. is 
weekend workshops and people come and it's it's nice to be able to have them if they want to like somebody who did one recently was you know after she finished the big piece she came in to do but still had a little time she started a small piece that's going to be oh this will be like a birthday card to my dad mm -hmm. and so having the letters here it just makes it easy it's nice yeah. for people as you started working as a, a mosaic uh, artist do you start finding like influence people that you like or 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 places in the world that you find like inspiration <laughs> well you know gaudi and barcelona i mean i had to go there there are some fabulous old mosaics in israel where i went to visit people in my family and saw those there and uh well actually one of my first experiences of seeing mosaics my grandfather worked for Lincoln National Life Company and his one of his sisters lived right on the beach in Florida and she made for him a portrait of Abraham Lincoln made entirely of shells that she found on the beach across the street from her so I saw that you know my whole life growing up because that was hanging in his office which is you know where we'd have the rollout bed and sleep when I was visiting you know that was probably my first introduction to mosaics and Oh, I remember, I don't know, making a map of Mexico it, we were in, in seventh grade and just crushing all these eggshells and dyeing them blue and using that for the ocean. <laughs> you know? I grew up living at a junkyard, actually, 20 acres of old junk cars and stuff. And so my very first mosaic that I made at about, you know, seven or eight years old was just picking up an old Buster Brown shoebox top and picking up pieces of broken taillights and uh, little bits of metal and, you know, ball bearings and stuff. And I just, you know, kind of glued them in there. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's always, you've always been a mosaic artist, just collecting it, things. and right. like. It, well, I think it was, what, third grade or something? I was the first one in my class to discover that you could use the side of a crayon. And I'd start doing these little things of sunsets. And everybody in the class wanted me to draw a sunset for them. So, yeah, being a visual artist has really just been a big, huge part of my life, yeah. always. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this space. I mean, we're in a wonderful, like, uh, it used to be... Uh, it was a Lucky Logger distribution warehouse. And it is right in the, you know, between the golf course and Pomelita School in, in, in Ukiah. And it was such a surprise, you know, when, when I was in the midst of moving from the farm in Potter, where I'd lived for just over 20 years, into... Ukiah, and I was thinking, you know, there was a warehouse over by Gobi Street that was, they were, I think it used to be a Grange once, and, and they were, I was thinking, maybe I should buy that, and there's another one next to it that's kind of falling apart, and if I find a little house within a couple of miles, but then when, as soon as I saw this place that had this warehouse in the backyard, it's like, this, this is it, this is my place, and I'm, I'm very, very glad to be here. It's, it's got plenty of room for students and big projects. And, and it has a feeling of, like, uh, uh, creative space. <laughs> well, thanks. That's because I've been putting colorful things in it for almost five years now. <laughs> but it feels like it feels like creation and creativity and great things happening here. Thank you. <laughs> so this is the place where you do your uh, classes. Tell me a little bit about that process of uh Teaching. Yeah, well, when I first started teaching in 1992 back in San Francisco and a little bit before that in Sausalito, you know, I was doing it every Saturday for a few weeks over in Sausalito or like, you know, we'll do Thursday nights. But once I moved to the farm in Potter Valley, I figured if I was doing it like, you know, one of those weekly things, mm, they're very 
very few people were really going to just drive out there and do that. So I made it weekend campouts pretty much. And we'd always have our Saturday lunch as a picnic at the river nearby. And, and, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, and I, and I still do those grout camps. That's what I call them, the grout camps. And people would come, I mean, lots of people would come from the Bay Area or even from other states and camp there for them. But a lot of times people who were coming from just Willits and Ukiah and people would just come and camp together. But now that I am here in town um, and so close to so many cafes, I don't hire a cook anymore, but I still do weekend workshops that start Friday night and go through Sunday afternoon. And people can uh, either bring, you know, some people will show up with a mannequin they want to cover with, with glass or, or a, you know, a tabletop they want to do or whatever it is. And, but the majority of people, at least, more, yeah, it's more than half, will, will show up and just like, I don't know, I want to make a mosaic. <laughs> you know? And so I have planters and pieces of plywood and all kinds of materials that they can work with here. And then, you know, teaching people not only how to use the materials, but how to tell whether you can use it for indoors or outdoors. Because if you use it outdoors in any place that'll uh, there's a freeze, there's a lot of tiles that would just have the glaze pop off. So there's you know there's a lot to learn, and it's a lot of fun. We're hanging out together. There's plenty of storytelling and watching each other work and learning how to do it. And so some you know some people come for the first time, and and some people come back time after time. Tell me about doing public art and doing like big pieces and, and kind of like mural styles. First, it was mostly things through the Arts Commission in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then moving up here, like I said, the first one was at the Willits uh, Skate Park. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, kind of just from kind of knowing people and people had taken the workshop and going, oh, we should do this there. And then I've done, I've done a lot actually working with school kids at their schools through the GASP program from the Arts Council, the Good Arts in Schools program. So I've gone in and worked with the kids, and a lot of times I'll have them, depending on the amount of time and the age of the kids, sometimes I'll have them, they'll each make a tile or two. And like there's some at the Grace Hudson School where the very first one I did there, every single person at the school, whether they were an employee or a student, did a tile cut out from their hand. And then I looked at all those, and I'm like, well, let's see, how am I going to work this into a mural? And the kids worked on it with me, too. But I ended up going like through the, some of the classrooms and finding drawings they had done and incorporated a few of those to be like the larger drawing. And then, you know, another one of the schools was uh, putting in a big school bus and having pictures in it and, and having the kids do it. And, oh, gosh, all kinds of things. At, at, at Willits High School, we've done three of them. You know, one about the arts and one about sports. And oh, and then, then they, have, they have a peace garden that got started there. So we did a big peace garden mural. So, yeah, there's a lot at schools, but then also just, well, the one for the, the you know, Mendocino County, The Good Life. I just took it on myself to apply for funding through the California Arts Council. And you need local funding for that. And that's when Art Center Ukiah had the big building next door. That was That's where the Art Center was rather than the little room in the back. So I thought this will be a good way to really involve people. There were probably a couple hundred people that came and worked on it with me. You know, I did the big design and I had four paid interns. You know, and they I had worked first worked with the interns in my studio so that they they could really learn about having other people help them and they each designed a small part where they got to tell us what to do and then that was their training for being able to tell anybody who happened to come in what to do yeah. or invite them in a friendly manner to help. <laughs> But you go into a similar process, you sketch the idea, 
think about what is going to be the story of the mural and then you start selecting yes. colors for the tiles and all that yes. and producing the tiles? Yes. Yeah, basically, especially you know, when, you, when you do a public mural, you know, when, before we're doing that Good Life one, since especially that was my first one in Ukiah, I had to get a positive vote from the City Council of Ukiah, from the Board of Supervisors, because it's on a county building in the city of Ukiah. Yeah, I, I had to give you know the entire drawing, this is what we're doing. So it's a whole process. Yes, it's a whole process. But, but, but to do those, I mean, the artist process and the, the getting approval process. Yeah. But in both of those, you know, I did say, we are going to do these ones these squares surrounding the large image, and I'd show them exactly what the large image was, and that each one of these squares is gonna be done by one of the students. There'll be a house in it, the, you know, with the stay in harmony, the kids got to choose something to put in the large area of the house that they like to do with other people. And then uh, the little thing on the top, a little circle up there say, of something they love to do by themselves. You know, so that was that was okay, you know, they approved it. But that was what, one of the fun things about doing the ones at the plaza, because um, there were 30 images there, 30, 30 square inch mosaics, yeah. and they gave me ver six very, very specific, these are our images for emergency preparedness, and this is the, the NCO uh, North Coast Opportunities, this is our, our logo, and it's got to be in these colors. Mm -hmm. and, and then I said, okay, and so and what do you want on the rest of them? And I guess by then, you know, they knew my, me and my work well enough. They said, oh, well, you know, just make them about Ukiah and the surrounding areas. <laughs> so it was like, whoa, big fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was fun. And, 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 and when we first planned that project, I was going to be doing them here and having two or three weekends where anybody could come in and help, you know, work on the background or glaze some of the tiles or something. But then, of course, when COVID backed in and changed everything, instead, I just had a few you know people who had worked with me as interns on other projects mm -hmm. a couple of students and um so so i had just five other artists work or people work with me on it and you know it was with, with having big the big doors open on both sides mm -hmm. it it felt safe enough that you know other than occasionally having to come over and take a quick look at what they were doing we could work several feet apart and have filters going and stuff in here and how is the installation process like taking it out of the studio and then just bringing it to the final space yeah well those you know they had to move the trash cans they moved it underneath so if it was raining because when we did them in my studio we did them on mesh and so we just moved them all there and then yeah did the thin set and stuck them up waited a couple days came and did the grout there so that's it's it's a big process and it's yeah. a lot of work do you have any plans for the future uh, yeah there's a, a winery that's just bought a place in in hopland that i'll be doing a mural uh a, well not a big mural there'll be there'll be signs signage for their posts uh, some of the, the crows from their labels so that's that's coming up i'll be starting that very soon and then also if i'm allowed to talk about draw till you drop <laughs> fundraiser i put on for the arts every year except for the last two and i start when i first put it on it was for the the gallery at the warehouse where i lived in san francisco years ago it's um a fundraiser for nonprofit arts organizations um, this year it'll be for Grace Hudson Art Center Ukiah and for the art department at Willits High School since their lovely art teacher has always been a part of it. We've got about 20 artists and they come in and starting at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning at the Veterans Building here in Ukiah, they'll start making art. It's called Draw to You Drop, but you know, Laura's going to be there with her sewing machine and some of us will be doing mosaics and watercolors. It's Drawing is just part of the fun name. 
So the artists have to work. They must work from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. That's their minimum. So everybody's got to put in at least those 12 hours. And then there are always several of us that go over 24. Our record in, in this county was Willow Jackson going 48 hours. This time we're only going to go 30. <laughs> but um, yeah, so anybody can come by and watch. And hopefully some people can sponsor some of the artists because it is, it is a fundraiser. And, but it's also a fun, fundraiser. To be there and just be making art and watching the other people make art. And we have musicians and poets that come in and entertain us while we work. And I've been getting all that scheduled. If anybody still wants to be on it, let me know. It is October 1st, well, October 1st through 2nd. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a starting at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. It, it, it sounds like a great event. When, where can people find information about that? Uh, well, at Art Center Ukiah. And there are some posters about it at Grace Hudson because, you know, they are, um, you know, again, recipients. But um, on my Facebook page, you can, you mm -hmm. can see, see the posters about it. Besides your Facebook page, where can people find your art and your information? Erabymosaics.com is, is my, is my web page. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. listening to Art Waves. In part two of today's episode, we have a conversation in Spanish with visual artist Marta Alonso Canillar. Marta is from Spain and has lived in this country for more than 30 years. She started working as an artist later in life when she was encouraged to take an art class in Willits. She quickly developed a unique style of painting that caught the eye of art lovers in Willits and Fort Bragg where she has shown her talent in galleries and murals. You can recognize Marta's work for her colorful oil paintings of rural landscape with panoramic views and almost dreamlike scenes. Marta also paints reality bees and beehives in her compositions. We talk with Marta about her love for rural life, independence and becoming an artist. Soy Marta Alonso Canillar. Marta, ¿de dónde eres? <ríe> Soy española. <ríe> ¿Cuánto tiempo acá? En... Llevo aquí ya bastante tiempo, lo cual puedo decir que no soy ni de España ni de aquí. Llevo ya treinta y pico años en este país, en, en este condado además. Bueno, no, miento, estuve en San Francisco al principio y estuve en Santa Cruz también. ¿Qué te trajo a los Estados Unidos? El amor. Y ahora lo que tengo es un hijo. Entonces cuéntame un poco acerca de esa forma de vida, porque imagino que el arte es parte de esa forma de vida. Ajá. El, parte, el arte en realidad es, has, ha empezado a ser parte de esta forma de vida hace poco, solo llevo solo pintando desde el 2014. Siempre he querido ser artista, pero nunca he tenido la confianza de, de hacerlo y... Uh, pero siempre he tenido ese ímpetu de querer hacer arte y siempre andaba haciendo tonterías de artesanía o de cosas así, ¿no? he hecho barro, cosas de con barro y he hecho cosas con, con fotografía, entonces cuando se hacía fotografía en blanco y negro y... En el, en el laboratorio, en el laboratorio y todo en eso, el en el cuarto oscuro, oscuro ya todo eso. Y, uh, y después, uh, cuando tuve a mi hijo, ya me veía con las manos muy atadas y lo de hacer cerámica, pues me resultaba como muy engorroso, ¿no? que no tenía tiempo para, para ello. Y empecé así a dibujar un poco, a hacer postalitas con, con 
pinturas de colores, ¿sabes? Y, a, y a, a raíz de ahí luego me invitaron, la gente empezó a ver mis postales y había, estuve trabajando en una galería de arte allí en, en Willets, yo vivo en Willets, y uh, la chica que, um, la dueña de la galería, me, como que me ofreció que tomara unas clases de pintura. Y yo nunca había, yo dije, uy, yo eso no, yo eso no lo he hecho nunca. Yo venía con la mentalidad de que si no sabías hacerlo ya, que desde si no... Desde pequeño... Desde pequeño, eso iba a ser imposible, ¿sabes? Esa es, es, por eso es lo que me ha parado el, el no hacer el arte por muchos años, porque venía con esa mentalidad de que era mediocre entonces y que nunca iba entonces, no, a No se podía, sí, como si hay una regla. Sí, exactamente. <risa> Son unos paradigmas ahí que no los puedes saltar. <risa> y, uh, y total que al final me animé y tomé una clase de arte con, de pintura al óleo con um, Cinda Valle, que era una artista que vivía en, en Wellich, ya no está allí ahora, pero tenía un, un, un estudio ella y estaba dando clases privadas y tomé las clases privadas y me, me enganchó, me enganchó muchísimo, o sea, fue como decir, wow, fue el momento que tomé el pincel de la mano, me puse a pintar y dije, esto lo he tenido yo aquí en el alma, <risa> he metido desde siempre, pero no, eso, que no tuve salió cuando tenía que salir? Tenía que, ya, salió cuando tuve que salir y, y, y bueno, pues fue increíble, la verdad es que me, me emocioné muchísimo y la, por supuesto tener un, una mentora que que me ayudó muchísimo a eso, a, a desinhibirme del, de las construcciones que tenía, ¿no? Um. That art class in Willits helped Marta get over the idea that one has to study art from a young age to become an artist. That realization helped her discover the door to her creativity and in a couple of months she was getting commissions for her artwork, like the mural on the walls of Mariposa Market in Willits. Y bueno, al, a los pocos meses de, de empezar a pintar, me salió una comisión para, hacer un, para pintar un cuadro para Mariposa Market en Willets, que era donde yo trabajaba entonces. Y, um, y pinté un cuadro que eran dos pies y medio por ocho pies y medio, o sea que era un bastante tamaño, ¿no? Bueno, y tuvo un éxito horroroso. <risa> Eh, ¿Cuál era el, um, de, la, imagen? Sí, la imagen? Es una imagen de... Es una, como una especie de collage de, de imágenes de Mendesino, de, de lo que Mendesino representa para mí, de la vida rural, del campo. A mí me gusta mucho el campo, me gusta trabajar en... He trabajado en granjas y de hecho estoy trabajando ahora también en un rancho y me gusta estar al aire libre, me gusta trabajar con animales y me gusta la comida y me gusta, ¿sabes? Y la vida rural muchísimo. Y entonces, pues es una representación, pues es un poquito de la vida rural y de lo que es aquí mendecino. Y a raíz de ahí me salió otra comisión al año siguiente para hacer otro cuadro parecido para el, um, el hospital de Willets, que entonces se había inaugurado um, y andaban... Una de las cosas que hicieron fue contratar a artistas locales para decorar el, el hospital con arte local, ¿no? Y, um, y a mí me contrataron pues, para hacer un, un... ¿Un mural o un cuadro? Es también un, un, bueno, los llamo murales por el tamaño, pero okay. no, en realidad no son murales porque no están pintados en la pared, son cuadros de lienzo al óleo. Y también este era del mismo tamaño, uh, dos, dos pies y medio por ocho pies y medio, y está en el, uh, en el ala de la terapia física de, de allí, de, del hospital de allá. Y luego a raíz de ahí pues me empezaron a salir otros pequeños comisiones y, uh, y bueno, yo estaba súper entusiasmada pintando. 
y luego empecé a abrirme, a salir un poco de aquí del entorno de, de Willets y me fui a Fort Bragg a una galería, a, fui parte, estuve, formé parte de una cooperativa que hay allá y la verdad es que me iba bastante bien allá vendiendo ¿sabes? cuadros y demás y a raíz de estar allí también me salió una comisión para hacer un mural y ese mural también me llevó a hacer otro, o sé sea que tengo dos murales en, en Fort Bragg que también no están hechos directamente en la pared, están hechos en paneles, pero son, esos ya sí que son de tamaño bastante grande. Marta loved the process of making the mural and the format. The mural also got a lot of attention and Marta got her work in the Woolwich Hospital, in galleries, and she also had a commission for the second mural in Fort Bragg. Marta's art approach is a reflection of her sense of independence. She said that she doesn't look for artist influences or styles, letting the work speak for itself. ¿Qué, qué te inspira? ¿Cuál es, o sea, qué, qué artistas te, te basas? ¿Qué, artist, ¿Qué tipo de arte te gusta? ¿Qué, qué? Sabes, yo soy una persona muy independiente en muchos sentidos y, y bueno, crecí en España cuando con mi educación, pues sí, estudié muchos artistas, fui a muchísimos museos, siempre me interesó pero uh, cuando empecé a pintar decidí que no iba a, a basarme en, en nadie en específico o en influenci influenciarme en nadie en específico y más que nada era pues, sacar lo que es una combinación para mí de lo que he ido acumulando sobre los años y de lo que he ido absorbiendo sobre los años, es un poco subconsciente, subconsciente también, ¿no? que no, tampoco le doy mucho, mucho pensamiento a la cosa, dejo que las cosas fluyan y no pienso en, en que, oh, pues lo voy a hacer como este hombre o como el otro y demás, ¿no? pero um, es más o menos así como, como, lo, como lo llevo, ¿no? y es que Muy parece es como llevo la vida también un poco. ¿Cómo es el, el proceso para hacer una pintura? ¿Comienzas con eh, sketches o con dibujos preliminares o, o de Tengo, una vez? Utilizo fotografías también bastante y de ahí como que no, no en algunos de los proyectos que he hecho sí he utilizado un sketch, uh, borrador, y, pero otras veces voy según a la marcha, a veces tengo como una idea principal así básica en la cabeza metido y, y luego a raíz de ahí pues... Voy añadiendo, cambiando, adaptándome un poco a las circunstancias. A veces me sale bien, otras veces tengo que empezar otra vez de nuevo. Cuando pinto a la gente sí que hago un poco de um, outlines eh, de las caras y demás. Y sabes una cosa, Estoy, este verano tomé clases de dibujo, eh, esto, de, de dibujo en vivo, de dibujo de model, con modelos, gente, porque no tenía mucha confianza, no tenía mucho adiestramiento y quería mejorar, sé que, sé que, sé que puedo dibujar, pero no, no me sentía yo muy a gusto con ello y al final me he lanzado a tener, a, y he tomado clases y me encanta y ahora estoy dibujando un montón con carboncillo, carboncillo ya, yeah. en papel, sobre todo el carbón me gusta. Es muy rápido, me gusta la grosura que tiene, por ejemplo me gusta más que pintar con lapicero. El lapicero, no sé, el, la punta fina, la verdad es que no me... <risa> me gusta el grosor, yo creo que también por eso los pinceles, ¿no? Me gusta el grosor, de la, me gustan las, las líneas fuertes y que sé, la fluidez y sí. Pero ya, ese es otro de los temas que me gusta mucho, pintar a la gente y me gustaría hacer más, pero... ¿Trabajas en un estudio o en la casa? ¿Dónde, Tengo un estudio estás? en mi casa, sí. Tengo la suerte de poder tener un estudio en mi casa ahora. No es mi casa, estoy alquilando, pero bueno, estoy alquilando 
parte del estudio, un, este cuarto que es un estudio. She works and lives in a farm in Willits, and she is in tune with the rural lifestyle of Mendocino County. Her art process includes working with pictures and creating sketches that later develop at her big form and paintings. Marta works mostly with oils, but she said that recently she has been participating in live drawing classes and learning new techniques like charcoal and other dry mediums. These days, Marta is slowly coming back from a time where she didn't pick up the brush, something that started during the pandemic. Like for many artists, the pandemic changed her artistic routine and she decided to have her focus on the farm. But she is now ready to come back to the studio to continue her life journey as an artist. ¿Por qué crees que estás como en ese, ese bache de creación? Sí, se ha perdido, sí, se ha perdi he perdido un poco el momento este de porque ha sido a consecuencia de la pandemia, de que cuando me iban las cosas bastante bien y cuando estaba acá en Fort Bragg y demás y después de lo de la pandemia pues todo se ha cerrado, todo se ha puesto patas arriba y entonces pues ha habido ahí un momento que he estado como perdida diciendo bueno seguiré pintando, seguiré pintando pero después empecé a ver como que bueno más vale que me busque la vida de otra manera porque con esto aparte de que era suplemental no era en realidad primario pero pero empecé a, pues eso, que como que trabajando en este rancho donde trabajo ahora y ahora pues estoy súper metida. Es, y la verdad es que es un trabajo que me encanta también. Y entonces, y después estamos súper ocupados y entonces estoy como que he dejado el arte un poco de lado. Pero ya te digo que este verano decidí tomarme, tomar clases de, de, de dibujo porque me, el dibujo pues es también muy fácil, es papel y y con el carboncillo y demás y te puedes poner en cualquier sitio a hacerlo y ya está y, y, uh, y entonces pues al menos tengo ese esa fluidez de, de seguir haciendo un poco de, de arte Like many in the creative sector for Marta, commercializing her art is a challenge Esta es una de las partes que casi siempre cuando hablo con artistas está ese punto esa parte de mercantil porque todo el mundo disfruta su estudio, el estar en el estudio, trabajar, crear, hacer esa parte, pero cuando ya después se comienza a hacer el arte como un negocio, se yeah. empieza a pensar en la parte mercantil, es cuando como que el, el, el yeah. cerebro es artista... Totalmente, ya, o la otra parte del cerebro y es, a mí cada vez me cuesta más, me cuesta más y estoy tratando de manifestar a alguien que lo lleve, <risa> pero, pero no me sale. <risa> ¿Tienes presencia en línea, una página de no, trabajo? No, y ese es otro de los temas con los que estoy luchando un poco, porque la gente, wow, te pones una página web y la verdad es que no tengo muy poco interés, soy muy un poco a la antigua también en, en, en muchas cosas y, y todavía no, no me resulta, no me invita el, lo, de la, lo del este virtual, el... El sistema este virtual. Parte del internet yeah. y todo eso. Pero yeah. si sí quieres seguir haciendo arte, si sí quieres seguir trabajando y creando y seguir teniendo una vida artística. Sí, sí me gustaría. Sí me gustaría ten, que, que fueras parte de mi vida, desde luego. Pero oh, yo es que los días se van y no, no me entero. <risa> Las horas se van, siempre estaba luchando con lo mismo. Estaba obsesionada con la idea de que voy a tener que sacar por lo menos dos horas de pin para pintar cada día. Y oh, se, me iban los, se me iban las horas y no, y no llegaba a ello. Y me, y me, me molestaba, ¿no? Y me, 
me molestaba mucho internamente, interiormente, emocionalmente, el no poder tener ese tiempo y luego me empezó a, a molestarme bastante y tuve que, como que reprogramarme un poco en el cerebro y no dejarle que me obsesionara todo y dejarlo ser como, como era y... y y bueno, y por eso estoy aquí ahora que no estoy pintando, porque al final he dicho, bueno, pues si no va a pasar, no va a pasar y ya está. Sí, bueno, es, es, pasa con todo, todo artista, yeah. tiene ese momento en que encuentran un bache en la yeah. creación, en el momento, pero normalmente lo que pasan cuando saltan en ese momento, encuentran otra como otra escala de creación yeah. y el proceso es diferente, de pronto la inspiración es diferente, de pronto yeah. eso es lo que está pasando, está, está incubándose ahí un, un, un momento en que vas a volver a tomar el pincel y uh -huh. va a salir algo completamente nuevo. Ya, yeah, no, es interesante porque de hecho estaba pensando en eso hoy un poquito de decir, bueno, al fin y al cabo yo creo que está aquí algo porque está empezando a hurgarme, ¿no? La, el gusanillo otra vez. <risa> Y más que nada, ¿sabes qué pasa? Que es que en estos dos meses la gente me ha contactado para, porque quieren que, quieren que venda su, mis reproducciones en sus tiendas. Y he tenido tres o cuatro invitaciones en, los últimos, en el último mes, mes y medio, así. Y digo, ah. <risa> es muy difícil uh, tratar de equilibrar uh -huh. los dos lados, ¿no? no ¿Has sé. mostrado tu trabajo en España? No. ¿No? No, porque... No he tenido oportunidad o no me han invitado y yo tampoco me he puesto en ello. <risa> Sería interesante. A ver si me invitan, bueno, pues a lo mejor me lo pienso, pero no he tenido ocasión. Y ya te digo que, de hecho, cuando iba a haber ido a España, pues iba a mirar a ver si habría oportunidades allá para uh -huh. mí de alguna manera. Pero, pero luego todo eso pues lo he tenido que poner de lado. En la pandemia ha afectado a todas las personas de una manera diferente. Yeah. Yo he hablado con algunos artistas que durante, especialmente el comienzo de la pandemia, cuando todo el mundo tuvo que estar encerrado, uh -huh. fue un momento en que eh, trabajar y crear sí. fue como su, su, su salvación, de cierta manera. Y, y crearon una cantidad de trabajo. Y ahora lo que están haciendo es vendiendo el trabajo Totalmente que han hecho, bien. mostrando uh -huh. el trabajo que uh -huh. está en eso. ¿Para ti cómo fue la pandemia? Fue, al parecer, ha sido lo contrario. Ha sido lo contrario, sí. <risa> no, me tuvo, el rancho me tuvo muy ocupada. Ok. Ya. Okay. Y, uh, y ya te digo, es lo que me ha parado un poco ese, uh -huh. ese momento que llevaba. Y ahora, bueno, pues ya veremos cómo salimos adelante. She's working of getting prints of her work in stores around the county and creating her online presence. But for now, you can find pictures of Marta Alonso Canillar, artwork, and information at the Arts Council of Mendocino Artist Directory. This is Our Waves on KCYX in part 3. Marty Darling visit the Mendocino Theatre Company. Theatre's not just about directing and acting. It's about the whole experience of theatre. Um, I'm just as happy working on a set, painting, or designing. I do some designing of my own sets, or you know, drawing something um, as I am 
directing a play. To me, the whole thing, the whole experience of it is what's important and what makes me happy. It's not just one aspect of it. And, um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I ended up in a job like this, because I really believe that all of the different areas of theater feed into this common uh, human experience, which is very special and very healing. Beth Craven is the new producing director of the Mendocino Theater Company, a 75-seat black box theater in Mendocino Village. So my position really deals with keeping the theater running. I am, of course, involved in the artistic side of it because I have to know everything that's going on in the theater. And, you know, people listen to my opinions on artistic things, but I don't make the the choices on what plays to do. I don't make the choices on the director's. Uh, What I do is once all of that is in place, I make sure there's staff, you know, for for all of that, that people are doing their jobs. I write the contracts uh, and volunteer agreements for the people who work here. Um, I'm also heavily involved in uh, marketing (laughs) and publicity. um, And high on the list of things that I was hired to do was work on fundraising and to to look at ways the theater can expand its outreach to the community. Um, we are about to launch a new uh, education program, which will be more more expansive and hopefully include a lot more people. So my plate's very full, mm-hmm. very full. What would the education part of it entail? Well, Lori LaPal, who's been working here for many years, uh, may not be known to the community that she ran a, a, an education program in Amsterdam for many years. And as director of youth programs, she'll work with me to write grants, which we're hoping the end result will be for Mendocino Theater to take on a lot of the responsibilities that used to be in the theater arts programs in the high schools and junior high schools around here. We want to partner with the schools to provide uh, theater training and education to students in the Fort Bragg, Mendocino area. Um, And I think we can do that. I think Lori's very equipped to do it. Uh, You know, it's going to take some real serious planning. There'll be one uh, main stage production every year that the youth will do which will be fully mounted. Um, there'll be classes. Um, and who knows what else. Uh, but it, it's a, a real mission mm-hmm. for our goal for our next for our next couple of years is to get that underway. And what's your background in this in this in the <laughs> theater uh, world? Well, I've been in theater since I was a young woman. <clears throat> I uh, I have my master's degree uh, from the University of Tennessee. Uh, theater. And um, I have run now four theater companies in my life. I've also been a professor. I was uh, a professor of theater at the theater arts department at the Sonoma State University. And then I left that position in 1995 and took on a position as head of the MFA program 
uh, in international theater training at the University of Tennessee, where I graduated from. And I ran that for 10 years. Uh, while I was there, I was also a director. At, they have a <clears throat> professional Lort Theater in residence. It's a huge university. So I was also directing for them. And uh, it was a wonderful job. We spent a lot of time overseas, which was really fun. <laughs> Anyway, then I came back here and I was executive director of Sixth Street Playhouse for about five years during their major expansion. What's that? It's a Santa Rosa company. Um, They have two theaters now that are um, running concurrently. Uh, They also have an education program. And I and then after I left that, I we founded a theater in Sebastopol, Main Stage West, small uh, company based theater, not much bigger than this one. In fact, they're almost exactly the same size, serving a community not all that different from this one, a little bit bigger but similar. And um, I ran that with uh, a couple of different managing directors uh, for about ten years. So that was that brought me up to COVID, and then now here I am. <laughs> Would you say you had sort of a specialty in what you enjoyed directing or <laughs> teaching? My specialty probably is in ensemble-based productions, and that can be of classic works, Shakespeare, Chekhov, you know, classical traditional plays, which are done in a, a more interesting and developmental way. Or it can be new plays that are written structurally more for an ensemble cast. That That's something that, that I've been very close to since I was a young actor um, in my first theater company. Uh, we created a lot of original work. And I really believe, not only as an artist, but also now as a manager in my role here at Mendocino Theater, that the best way to get anything done is with a group of people. I don't believe in top-down management at all. I don't believe in top-down directorship, although I understand that where the book stops is with me at, at those moments. But what I prefer is to get a group of people who are all on the same ship rowing in the same direction. And so if I had to say there's one kind of theater that I would prefer it would be that. Next year's season will come together starting with the work of three artistic directors, Betty Abramson, Mark Friedrich, and Roxy Seven. What they do is they read a ton of plays. Um, They discuss them. They discuss what kind of uh, people we have here that we could cast them with or what directors. And they come up with a slate of plays then that is turned over to me, and I work with uh, with our board financial committee to create a budget for those. And so the second line of deciding what plays will be was is when we cost them out. And it could be that some of the plays on that slate are too expensive, or maybe we can't cast them. And then we go back to the artistic committee and get a second suggestion for that slot. Um, we're doing f- six shows next year. It's a big season. I can't tell you what they are yet because it's not time, but it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, 
what kinds of considerations do you make in regard to your space? Because you, you're in a 75-seat theater. The stage is nice size. We are the micro-theater. Uh, it's funny. I, I always tell people when they say, well, it's a little theater. How could it be that much work? I go, look, Big Ben, wristwatch, have the same number of moving parts. <laughs> and theaters are theaters everywhere. So... Um, of course, we can't do 30-person plays on this stage, so that's one consideration is cast size. Um, another consideration uh, in choosing plays is what we can do here technically, and that has actually been improved a great deal in the last even year and a half. There's a new lighting system in there, new sound system. Um, so we aren't too limited when it comes to those kind of technical constraints. We do have, um, a constraint in that we can't fly in scenery because it's, there's no fly space, you know? So we have to look at plays that are either unit sets or ones that can be, uh, done more, um, adventurously like the one that's on stage now. It's, it's an open space with some really imaginative scenic elements. Um, those are all considerations that, that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you ever do a musical? Yes. Yes, we would. But it would have to be a very special kind of musical. For one, it would have to, it would have to be small. It would have to fit in with our mission, which is to do more uh, adventurous and exciting kinds of theater that maybe isn't being done somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So um, we wouldn't compete with other people who are doing musicals here. Although I don't know about competition. I personally think the more theater there is, the better. The final play of the 2022 season is presented as part of an effort to reach out to the Latino community. Um, Our next show is a play called Native Gardens, and it consists of four actors uh, two of them um, are uh, an older couple that lives in mid-Atlantic area. The other <clears throat> two are a young couple, a Latino, Latinx, Latina and Latino couple who move in next door. And so it's a very funny play, I'm happy to say, because people love comedies, uh, with a serious undertone. Um, they have a dispute about their, bo- their fence which becomes a kind of border dispute between the two. We just finished casting that. A local actress, Maria Ramos, will play the role of Tanya. <clears throat> and then a, a young new actor from the North Bay area, a guy named Alessandro Brava, will play the young man. The, the, the couple, it's very funny, because the couple is, uh, they're highly educated, highly motivated uh, young couple. He's a high-powered attorney. She's working on her doctoral degree. And the couple next door are just, you know, kind of normal people who like gardening and, and they don't want their their uh, their uh, yard imposed on in any way. So, um, yeah, it's a fun play. And in doing this, we've also um, connected with uh, people in the the Latinx community. We're going to have a cultural consultant on board. <clears throat> and I th- I think it's hopefully, hopefully going to bring in new people into the theater. Um, we're, we're really reaching out 
this time and and in the future, you know, to make that. It's a primary um, goal of this theater to, you know, recognize underrepresented groups on our main stage and to bring those communities together in the theater, which is a great place to bring people together. What brought you to theater? Do you remember your first uh, experiences in love with it and why you're still doing it? I do. I remember them, absolutely. Um, When I was a young person in junior high school, um, there were some difficult things going on in my life, in my family life. And I got a chance to work on a play. I was working on a play called Angel Street, an adaptation of Gaslight, or Gaslight's an adaptation of it. And um, I remember walking into the theater space and feeling like that was a safe place for me. It was a safe place for me to have fun and be with people that I really liked but it was also a safe place to explore feelings that I was having. And I believe that that first touch of theater changed my life. And I think that's why I'm still doing it. Is there a, a kind of play or, a, or some criteria that for you make the best theater experience? Wow. That is a very hard question. Okay, I can say this. I agree with Bertolt Brecht, who used to say, a a play first has to be entertaining, and then it can be provocative and educating. So it's always important to me that what I'm working on is something that people coming to see it and people involved in producing it can buy into as a story. Story, in every aspect of its, of its meaning, is what theater is about. It's our stories. It's the legacy of our, of our human condition. So it is important to me that the play has a good story and a story that cap, you know, captivates and catches us. Um, beyond that, I, I, it has to be well-written. I, I mean, I go to the classics a lot, not because they're classics, but because when you work on a play that's tried and true, you educate yourself as to what makes a good play. Um, how deep the characters are, how how expansive the story is, how much virtual space and time can be encapsulated in one tiny two hours of time. I just finished working on Glass Menagerie, for example, last year, and everybody's read that play. But that's that's a masterful piece of writing because it still is relevant right now as it was when it was written. So those are all things that I do, I look for. During COVID, the Mendocino Theater created one-minute radio plays, 
aired every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. on KZYX. The program continues, offering anyone the opportunity to submit a script in English or Spanish. There's such an interesting idea. And um, I bet people, I don't know how people are, are looking at them out there in the world, but it would be something that me, I, as a radio listener, would really look forward to. Uh, I think they're inventive. They give you know, people a chance to do some writing. And, and yes, they're very, very fun. For Art Waves, a local arts magazine presented on the third Tuesday of every month, I'm Marty Derlin. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Art Waves. I'm Victor Palomino, and this is the last of the bi-weekly broadcasts of the art sector in Mendocino County. Starting in October, Art Waves will be on the air once a month. Marty Dorling and I will continue our explanation of art, artists, and all the creative sectors of Mendocino County. Thanks for listening to Art Waves. We'll be back in October with more art stories here in KCYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.